0: There we go, we are back again for another brand new episode of the beautiful Mind Game podcast with myself, Hans, from Friday Night like Counterattack, and Millie Chandra Millie, how are you doing today? It's good to see you and it's a bit of an odd one for us because we're recording in the morning so we're normally used to doing it later in the day so how are we feeling today, Millie?
1: Yeah, Hans, I'm, I'm great as usual, happy to be back. Um, what a great day, it's, there's bright sunshine here, it's 30 degrees, You know, great weather. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. For anyone listening, I just told them both that it is complete torrential downpour. We're in spring, but you know what? It is what it is. We're back on the podcast with another amazing guest. So I'm really looking forward to it again.
0: I mean, Millie doesn't appreciate the crops growing through having water from the rain as well. So she doesn't want her fresh vegetables later in the year as well. So I don't know what's happening there um, <laughs> with, oh, no, I can't believe it's torrential downpour. What's that about? I'm like, maybe it's...
1: not when the crops are drowning in the waterlog. But
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe there's been a draft somewhere and they haven't had some water for good luck. What, two days in the northwest? That's probably, that's probably a little less time of rain that we're used to in the northwest of England. But no, like you said, we do have a fantastic guest on today someone who I've um, really admired from from afar, which is really good in that way because she's come from another country to actually coach in England as well, a football coach at the same time. She's had to go through different um, trials and tribulations over her football and coaching career as well. And again, like we've mentioned uh, previously, Millie, when it's a woman trying to do, uh, trying to break through into the footballing industry, it can never be one linear way. There's always different ways and different paths of going forward as well. So, um, I am pleased to announce that our brand new guest for the Beautiful Mind Game this week is Paula Sanchez. Sanchez, is that yeah.
2: correct? Yeah. Alexis Sanchez
0: is my cousin. Oh, I'm no, not I'm sure. Joking. I'm, I'm joking, I wish. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, Alexis is my cousin. Yeah, as you do. What what an introduction to the podcast, Paula. So thank you very much.
2: Then. Yeah, Miller's reaction was quite good. <laughs> um, really? I'm
0: really?
2: I'm really happy to be here with you guys today.
0: No, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you were able to take the time to do um, the, this podcast with us. Because like we discussed previously, like, you're literally such a busy person. You've so much to go on with work and with football and everything as well. So thank you very much for joining the podcast today. How are you feeling today, Paula? I'm
2: great. I'm great. Um, I'm a bit tired because yesterday we gave around 600 tickets for the FA Cup Women's Final. So we went with all the kids uh, from Bloomsbury and Girls Super League to... Wembley, it was amazing Mm. to see all the girls there for the first time at Wembley. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm a bit tired, but I'm okay. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm
0: tired. Who were you supporting,
2: Paula? Sorry? Who were you supporting? I'm a Chelsea fan. However, yesterday, I really liked the game and I wanted them to to go to penalties because it was such a competitive game. I was like, please go to penalties. I want to see more football. (laughs) Um, It was a great game. It was yeah. a really good game, wasn't it? It's
1: really good to see women's football not only played at Wembley in front of fifty thousand, but at that
2: level as well. I thought it was a brilliant game. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. We had like a lot of coaches that had never seen a proper like women's game, and they were like, "Wow, this is actually quality." Like, I really enjoy it. I want to go back, come back. So it was really good. Brilliant. I mean, I,
0: I mean, I was working, so thanks both for rubbing it in that you got to watch the women's FA Cup final, and I missed oh. the men's FA Cup final as well because I was working. But thank you very much for that. Well, starting the podcast off in that light because women's football is at an all-time high at the moment in this country as well we've been talking about it previously Amelia and really so that's why we were like we need to get a woman's coach on because we've had women football players on previously but we need to see it from the other side from the coaching perspective because I myself I'm a football coach but I wanted to know a bit more about your work at Bloomsbury Football what that actually is and why it's so um, popular in London at the moment as well because there are so many academies um, programs in London for football for girls football for men's football for any type of football in London let alone in the UK but why is Bloomsbury football special to yourself Paula and how long have you been working there for yourself
2: yeah so I started working for Bloomsbury around a year and around three months a year and a half yeah nearly a year and a half and I started as a like a camp coach because I had a friend that she started being like academy manager there Okay. Uh, she was a girls academy manager and she was like oh come around because i've always i mean i played football i've coached in spain um and i went there i was studying my master's meanwhile so it was like kind of like a part-time job at that time and um, started coaching some girls really really enjoyed like the environment because they were like starting like a full girls academy um with like each age group a girls uh, team they were also looking for a lot of like girls coaches is like really great um at that time I did not have my level one okay. um, in England so like they helped me out getting my FA level one which was kind of like easy um and yeah it was like a great experience um I started coaching more had my own team and then I started being really involved I don't know if you guys have heard of like the girls super league um it's kind of like it comes down under Bloomsbury, but it's a it's a league for girls in London from like Eight to 16 years old okay so i now like do like full-time job between girls super league and blimsbury um, and i'm the manager of like that league and i also coach my under 12 girls at Bloomsbury.
0: so basically being a manager of, of a league how does that kind of work um do you have to like manage the schedules manage like the the payments and stuff like that how does that kind of work um, so i so
2: manage so? absolutely everything i oh. manage from the facilities even though we have like a facility uh guide that helps us out. Um but I manage facilities, I manage uh, teams, all the schedules, all the, usually we also really look for like female referees. So it's kind of difficult. So I always have to look for female referees. We also have a lot of tournaments during summer. So like organizing all that and um, looking for friendlies for teams that are not like don't really want to get into the league, just want like a few friendlies. And um, but yeah we're just trying to make it accessible to absolutely everyone and make it competitive.
0: That sounds exhausting but really well rewarding I would say as well.
2: It is exhausting. It is exhausting. Like yesterday, for example, I went from like the league working for two hours by myself, moving goals up and down, get that ready for the under 10s, for after the under 12s, under 14s, um, get that all ready and then run to the FA Cup final, but then seeing all the girls there smiling with like their scarves, all the families are like, hey, okay, my my day's done. It's okay, if I'm stressed, if I'm tired, all good.
0: It's a high risk, high reward situation as well, Paula, because you've got so much to kind of do, so much ownership on yourself as well. And it's just one of those things that once everything's kind of done, like you just said as well, it's so rewarding when you can see people smiling rather than just playing on the pitch or actually going to watch a, a football game as well. How, how rewarding is it when you get like parents coming up to you after and saying, oh, yeah, this is my first experience taking my daughter to, to football and they're really enjoying it. They're making lots of friends. They like playing fo- um, with, with their new friends and having a new sport to play. How rewarding is that for you personally?
2: It's probably why I keep going over and over, hours after hours, waking up early and going late back, like, a night, really late back home. Um, it's amazing to see girls that have never played football and, like, they got, get into our pitch and start playing, kicking out the ball, and the parents, like, have a smile because the kids have their smile. Yeah. And they come to you and they're like, can we come next week again? Um, And you're like, of course, like, that's the point of it, all of it. Um, And when your parents just, like, call you to be like, Thank you so much. Or like a few months ago, we had one of our players that signed, uh, well, one of the girls from GSL, she signed for Leicester. And the mom called me and she was like, we're so grateful for the chance of like her playing football around all your teams. She's also still going to come and play. But like, we're really grateful because of you guys. She's made it to where she wants to go. Um, And it's like, we say this, um, it sounds a bit cheeky i cheeky cheesy (laughs) um we say like if you see it you can be it so like when i see those girls that they look at me and they're like oh i don't only have to be a footballer i want to be a referee or i want to just like enjoy football and whatever part of the business um i i I just have if they come with me like oh i want to be this it's just so grateful for me and especially because i came to to london by myself so kind of like all these girls are i i say they're like part of my family so Whatever makes them happy, I, I'm happy with it. So it's, it's really good to see.
0: That's fantastic too. Because how long has Bloomsbury been set up and where is it based in London as well? So um,
2: Bloomsbury is based in uh, North London, but now we're also going through like Westminster, Islington, or like all around. Where
0: in North London is it based?
2: Our office is uh, between Euston and King's Cross. Oh, okay. So I would say like all the part, like Camden Town, um, Kentish Town, Topham Park. All that area that's where all our kids, uh, boys and girls uh, train. Yeah.
1: Um
2: that's the area, but we're expanding a lot. So like we have also like a birth program. So like from months to three years old, and um, we have like a birth program, and now we're going like we're expanding to East London, West London, North London, and hopefully one day South London and all the UK. Yeah.
0: Um
2: that's <laughs> um yeah, that's where more or less we are. Um and it was Charlie Hyman, and I don't know if you guys have heard of him, he was the one that started uh, Bloomsbury Foundation a few years ago because he saw that grassroots teams, there was not that many chances for kids and yeah. that he he thought and he has kind of proved to himself that he could do it better and that he could definitely bring something into it and help the community um, and that's why he kind of started uh, Bloomsbury Football.
0: Fantastic. I mean, this is where I'm going to bring Millie in as well, because Millie, I wanted to ask you just before you ask all your questions to Paula, how cool would that have been for you growing up to have someone like this in your life as a role model, as a coach, having the surroundings that Paula's now set up as well with Bloomsbury Football and with the Super League as well in, in London as well. How cool would that have been for 10-year-old Millie to be playing football um, in that environment compared to how you uh, grew up?
1: Yeah, no, brilliant. I think that when I was growing up, there wasn't many things like that, and I think even in Manchester now, I'm not familiar with too many like leagues or like setups like that. Do you know what I mean? For for kids, basically at grassroots level to develop, it's not normal, is it? We
0: don't see that across the country, let alone just in the UK. So it's crazy.
1: Definitely not. It's more like when I was growing up, it was more like either either grassroots clubs or academies. And that was it. That was the two. But there was no like bridge between between that gap. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's brilliant that, I don't know, there, there are setups like that that are actually implemented now. I think it's
2: great. I mean, I would have loved it as a kid. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why more or less like I got interested in like the whole project because I was like, when I'm seeing so many kids that like what you were saying, that bridge doesn't exist. It's or one thing or the other one. And like we offer them like, foundation level but we also offer them academy level they have snc and we're like a grassroots uh, club so we have them snc we have like physios we we try and offer them as much as we can for them Mm. to like if they want to be a footballer they will have that way to it but if they just want to enjoy football and play football whatever level they want we they can still be part of and enjoy football
1: definitely great it's it's something for everyone as well isn't it and especially with the SNC
2: like that was completely unheard of when I was
1: younger completely unheard of. No yeah um, we
2: a lot, like we have a uh, jazz who's like uh, she, she's like in a in kind of like an internship um, she's studying but she's helping us out and she's done amazing with all the kids she, she does SNC with absolutely every single girl absolutely every single boy she does video so you can do it at home um, so it's perfect. it's really good for the girls. What ages do they start their SNC? So s starts from under 11s, but then we have like strength and conditioning videos for the younger ones so that they can still do some exercise at home. Like ah. for their matches, they can still like do some like yeah, stretching. Depending on the age. They have a really study. I'm not really into that, but um, they do have for every age group, a different thing. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So
1: everyone can get involved and start young, which is necessary really nowadays. Definitely. Yeah. Like, um to develop them when they're younger. Um, Yeah, no, it's honestly, it's brilliant to hear as well. Um, I had a question. I wanna take you back to the phrase you said. I think it was, if you see it, you believe it. So it's, if you can see it, you can be it. Yeah, if if you see it, you can be it. And you said something about referees as well. I kinda wanna join my questions together. Why do you think there's not many female referees In the game why is it hard to find female referees because now there's loads of female coaches and it's great to see and the quality is huge but in terms of refereeing i guess it's more of a niche right
2: yeah i would say um i don't i don't want to feel bad about i don't want to say anything bad about the fa because the fa helps us but it's making some referee courses been really difficult so like now at Ace, for example, I would love to take my referee course, but it's quite impossible. So first, accessibility like it's quite difficult for for refs, um, for girls to be refs. Even though like I've the FA has come to us and be like, oh, we can offer you some courses for your young girls, which is amazing. That's best thing, best news I have. But I think one accessibility, and then like what you were saying, um. There's not that many examples of female refs, um, mm-hmm. so they don't know if really they can make a career from it, if if it's possible, um. Also, a lot of se- well, I'm guessing there's still a lot of videos on the internet about sexism and like female refs being refs of a male's game and like get it battered, like circuit yeah. and, and everything. So like mm-hmm. they don't really want to get go through that, um. But yeah, I think it's just like difficult to get there, and- yeah. And there's I not, guess like, it's not, a
1: lot of examples. Definitely. I agree with that. Yeah. And
2: I guess it takes time, doesn't it? Definitely. Like, it's also like the referee course you have to like study and then you have to do, I think, like 13 um, games just practice. Um, you also, depends on how much level of referee you want to be. Like you want to be an amazing referee um, or you just want to do it for to get an extra money and be like on the weekends or just because you enjoy the game. Um, yeah, it just takes time interesting
1: yeah i don't know much about referees i was just
2: curious so it's like really difficult so like for example we're having a tournament uh at liverpool on in june um about like a sports bras with nike and the fa we're doing like a bit of education about the girls like educate them about body image and like empower them a little bit about sports bras not that difficult Uh, yeah you don't really know how to talk about it or how to uh, get one sizing etc and it was so difficult for me to find referees in Liverpool because obviously I don't know them and even if I contact FA it takes me ages to get back Um, so if you know somewhere around there because I know you're a Manchester over there so if you know somewhere please let me know yeah I'll have a think like I said I'm not (laughs) I'm not familiar with the referees (laughs) Play right, so I'm guessing you definitely have to know. Millie
0: abuses the referees every week when she plays, she's she's effing and blinding, she's effing and blinding at the referees. That's that's why she doesn't want to get any referees on uh in Liverpool.
1: That is completely
0: untrue. (laughs) She's like Patrick Vieira in the middle. She's like, You effing what, ref? How dare you? That was an awful call. That's what Millie does every other week. Actually, I I could never see that from me. That's a lie. She's like the nicest (laughs) person, she's honestly like the nicest, she's the nicest person to like. She wouldn't hurt a fly, um, but no, yeah. that, that was crazy. But Paula, I wanted to ask you more about your upbringing in, in Spain. You said you were from Barcelona, correct? Yeah, Brilliant. Yes, first, in the world. first of in all, the world. I'm like one of the only English person English people in the country that's never been to Spain, so um, I just wanted to ask you, yeah, apparently, you're not a British citizen unless you go to,
1: Apparently, Spain. Well, yeah,
0: yeah, apparently, but it is what it is. Um, I just wanted to ask you what the kind of coaching was like when you were. Um, growing up in Spain so when you were probably playing with your friends or when you were being coached and then how you became a coach when you're in Barcelona what kind of factors did your coaches kind of focus on like in terms of was it more based about how you control the ball how your mentality is when you're playing Um, what kind of key attributes did you kind of get taught when you were learning in Spain that you've brought over to England um, when you're coaching as well
2: so I started playing football when I was at school so I started my own team With my team, like my schoolmates, I was like like, in one. So I kind of started like that. So I didn't really have a coach when I was young, but then I jumped into an academy. Yeah. And they were very strict with like possession. Keep keep the ball. Keep the ball. Keep the ball. Keep the ball. ball. That was kind of like the main point, and like really, really like work hard. And like as soon as you lose the ball, not walking back, kind of that thing, and. I really realized that Spanish football and English football was quite different at that time. I don't think that much now, but I, when I came to university, I got there my first year, my first game with my university, and I could only see blonde girls running around up and down and just throwing balls up. And I was like, what is this? I could just see my defenders throwing balls up. And I was like, can we not keep the ball, pass it all around? So it took me a bit to just like get used to like, English football more like aggressive we're like running out, down the line
0: oh um, did you do university in England um, yeah so, for I studied
2: sport journalism um, in the University of London, of, um, in London university oh, okay. of London and then I studied my masters too here so yeah I was involved with absolutely everything here uh, but yeah I was like I came here with 17 coming from like an academy um, in Spain where the football was completely different it took me a while to get used to the not that much passing um, but I think now it's different from my first year at university, definitely, but it was a total change for me.
0: And what key attributes do you tend to teach your kids that you personally value the most? You mentioned possession, but was it more in terms of ball retention as well? So going back and actually chasing the ball to retain possession again. Was it more in terms of communication, teamwork? What kind of free things would you say that you personally value as a coach? when you're trying?
2: So to I value a lot when players work hard. Like I don't mind if like they make mistakes. I don't mind if like, they they don't know what to do and they throw the ball away it's just like i want them to really work hard and i want them to like finish the game and they are exhausted because they've given their 100 on the pitch and um, that's probably one of them i really like also i tell them a lot high intensity okay. so like because obviously i play futsal with bloomsbury too we have a woman's uh, team uh, and that we play bt sport
0: yeah
2: during the weekends um and even my coach always says that but you say you
0: play on bt sport yeah what so, channel
2: One usually is one like beta sport one at what time it depends saturdays it can be it's all morning or saturday morning oh okay yeah quite cool
0: that's um, really cool like i'm at no, work no, so I'll, no, I'll, anything, I'll miss that I was like, what <laughs> i'll have that recorded for next time as well that'll be cool i'm like i know you you're on tv <laughs> Yeah, next fun.
2: season. Next season, we stay um, in the first division because um, we have one last game next Saturday. But I'm going to be in Turin, so sadly, I'm not going to be able to play.
0: Oh, um, you're going to be in Turin, so that's the hardest. Of, that's the hardest of pains, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm
2: also going to be watching my team won the Champions League, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah, <laughs> but
0: if you win the Champions League, you're okay because you're in Turin celebrating, so it's all good. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um,
1: so Hang they on a minute, won- Carla. sorry, who's your team? Barcelona oh interesting oh yeah of course <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs>
2: um but yeah um if we stay um we're gonna be on tv every single weekend but we have to travel so much like we're in london we have to travel to like preston which yeah exactly Millie who knows <laughs> it took us like five hours to get there um to like Gloucester, to like birmingham every weekend it's quite a lot but yeah, I was telling you, sorry, I went through another topic, um, is that my coach really likes like high intensity. So if like they're playing three minutes, I want them to give everything yeah. and like keep the ball as much as they can. And also one thing that I've learned also with my under 12s is it was kind of like a new team when I started. So they really didn't know each other. So I really worked on like what you were talking about, communication. Um, each individual player has an individual role in the team. One is the captain but one is inside the pitch one's outside the pitch one's in charge of like that everyone has their kit on the day like everyone has a role um so that they all feel special and that they all communicate and kind of like learn so we do like a lot of like team bonding exercises and stuff um so i would say communication high intensity and hard work
0: fantastic do you do anything in terms of like role reversals as well on my laptop just uh, think, um like role reversals because what i kind of do as a coach as well is I'll make sure that, again, everyone kind of feels special, but everyone learns from everyone else. Because in terms of, um, I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, there's that viral clip of like a rugby player saying, yeah. oh, you're really good to another rugby player on his team. For me, that like happens every other week when I'm coaching, because it's the fact that you can't judge a fish by how the fish walks, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, we, we learned that all year round um, when I was coaching this this year as well. It's crazy because it's just like everyone has different qualities and everyone can develop their own, weaknesses whilst they're in training whilst they're in the game so if someone's really slow and they want to get faster or they want to become an attacker let them become the attacker because it's not always about the result on the pitch for the team it's the result on the pitch for the player that's how I see it personally in terms of you're actually developing people first and you're actually developing quality second then you're developing the team third that's how I see it at grassroots level in terms of you're actually developing different skills for different people because we've always been told as well when you're coaching and you're coaching someone to your standards and your um, way of playing, like for example, I could be coaching a striker and then he may not be good enough to be a striker at an academy level at under-15s, under-16s when he grows up, but they may want him to play as a winger, but he may not be fast enough, he may not be technical enough to cross the ball and he may not be um, witty enough to be really good as, an, as a winger as well. That's how I see it personally, but I just wanted to know your thoughts on Um, is that more your mindset as well in terms of developing the player, the person, as opposed to developing the team? Like it's more important that the player tries something, it doesn't come off, but you appreciate the effort that someone's trying to play a long ball or an outside the foot pass or something like that as well.
2: No, yeah, definitely. Like uh, like we always say at Bloomsbury, it's like we're developing the player, but we're also developing the person. So um, at the beginning of the season, we used to do this, like everyone would play in different positions even if you told me, oh, I want to be a defender, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to try in the middle and then next game you're going to try and cycle. Maybe the results were not the best thing as a, gr- as a group, but like they also learned also what their abilities are individually and what their teammates are good at to so yep. learn how to use them at their advantage. So we did that like the first half of the season and then when everyone, else, everyone more or less knew what they're good at, what they may have to get better at, etc., etc., that's when we started giving responsibilities individually more like, okay, after all the, um, sorry, captain did absolutely every single thing. Like she was the captain, but she was also like the kit, in charge of the kit, she was in charge of like everyone's attitude in charge of a lot of things. Uh, but what she was best at and what also made her better, her individually and also as a group was to be captain. So she, she ended up being captain, but I agree. Like what you said that everyone should go through that. And that's what we try to see, like, because also they like feel special um, and they improve in like a lot of things that it makes us really happy when when we see
0: that. No, that's fantastic. And that's really nice to hear, Paula. Thank you very much for sharing that um, as well. Um, but now for the next part of the podcast, Millie and I will be asking you more questions about your own personal mentality, because not everyone can leave their own country, um, their home country, their family, their friends to move to another country to de- develop themselves Um, further not just as a footballer but as a person as well so again we know that you're really good at football you're doing really good at futsal which is fantastic as well you're really good at coaching from what we've heard and your your mindset to it is something that we really want to kind of dissect and learn from a bit more as well so um, Millie I just wanted to ask you from what you've heard from Paula so far what kind of qualities do you think you've picked up from Paula as a coach and then as a person really as well?
1: Oh, that's a, what a great question.
0: <laughs> I, I ask great questions. That's what we do on this podcast.
1: No, um, to be honest, I wanted to ask you as well. This comes in with my answer as well. Don't okay. worry. I wanted to ask you, Paula, like what kind of compels you to coach at this level, to coach grassroots, to coach like development? Kind of what is your mindset towards it and what kind of compels you? What makes you want to coach? these kind of
2: kids so the first one an easy one was when i was a kid i never ever had a female coach um so i've always been like i want to be that person that represents like that helps them out because i know it's difficult for me it was difficult when i was a kid to have a men's coach because obviously there was some topics that i couldn't talk to him about or like they were like i don't know let's say like when i was on my period it would they would be really harsh for me and i was like i can't give my 100 percent on those like days that I'm in pain, so like also I wanted the girls to feel like comfortable, understanding, and know that um they can get there and like they can play football. So that was one of the things that really pulled me towards being a coach. And like obviously I always wanted to like teach Spanish football. Like I said before, it was kind of difficult, different um from English. So I always wanted to come here and be like when I came here, I was like okay, I really want to teach my girls how I did it, how I learned it. Um, and I sometimes maybe a different, but at the end, it, it comes up as the same thing. It's just like, I explained it in a different way. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like what pushed me to be a coach and and be involved with it.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we can see it straight away, especially when you said about the sports bras with Nike, I think it was, yeah, um, whoever it was. It's great. Like It's amazing. I think that the fact that like we were saying, every woman has their own journey and you seem to have had your journey and now you're kind of being this role model for all the younger girls to come, all the younger footballers to come. Do you know what I mean? Like, for example, when I was younger, if we had a woman that's trying to push, you know, this, like we did, we, I had so many great coaches when I was younger, but I think now is the time where girls need to learn about the menstrual cycle they need to learn about sports bras about being a woman about playing women's football do you know what I mean because it is very different to men's it's the same game it is but it is very different and we need kind of role models who are willing are willing to show these kinds of things are willing to represent these kinds of things and stand up for women and I think that you and your personality already that's what you stand for right
2: yeah I mean I, I think so that's what I'm looking for um I some people some of the kids can see that and like can get some example from me that that's good for me like that's the best thing I could ask for
1: yeah brilliant and I and again coming back to that that quote I love it the if you can see it, you can be it that is in like is incredible because it's so true like I love that quote for myself as well and I agree like,
2: you go on no, no I was saying like nowadays like I see like all these footballers um playing in like these amazing stadiums and I'm like okay I want to get back to football like if they can play football I'm, I'm getting back into football getting my cardio back in it's all that stuff so in myself at 22 can see this imagine this 6, 7, 10, 12, 14 year old be like okay look at all these amazing women playing at Wembley yeah being professional earning enough money to live in etc etc oh why can I not be it why can I not get to that level Brilliant! Hang on a minute, you're 22. Yeah, <laughs> that is. Or how did you know that?
0: I didn't know her age because it's rude to ask a woman her age. So I don't know. <laughs> that is
1: honestly, that is incredible. That is unbelievable. How long have you not been playing for, or do you still play?
2: No, I mean I still play, but she I plays do, futsal I play. Fo- yeah, I play more futsal because also I don't have that much time coaching the girls and stuff. um sometimes during the weekends I do play eleven aside, but now I kind of spend more time playing five aside. Yeah. My mom tells me you will regret it always, and I'm like, why? She's like, because you could have made it. And I was like, it doesn't matter how it at this point. I help others to make it, so that's okay. Depends what you enjoy. Depends what you feel is the best for you as well. Yeah, this like fills me, um. So makes me feel special when I help the girls. So yeah, I'm happy where I'm at. So that's good. Last little question I've got. Millie, I've you still dying-
0: didn't answer the question that I gave you all those I did. minutes ago.
1: I just answered it. I just said she's a woman that wants all the women to succeed in small terms in small terms
0: it. like this 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 is a bigger thing for me personally how I'd respond to that is the fact that she's a ridiculously selfless person as well and that's what I think yeah. a really good coach is putting everyone else first before herself as well and I thought that was fantastic and just like we said earlier me the fact that if we if you had someone like that if other women had that when they were growing up as well imagine the kids now benefiting from it as well because now it's seen not, it's even not, not even seen as normal, that's the thing, because even in our area, in northern areas as well, where I'm working in different parts of the country, Paula, there aren't many women coaches. They're more there as physios, they're more there as like volunteer parents as well. So I'm just kind of there thinking that hopefully, even if someone is listening to this as a football coach, a women's football coach as well, um, that, I'm, that I'm learning from at the same time, take some, take some notes from Paula today as well, because there's so many people out there that can actually benefit from a really good role model on and off the pitch in terms of with women's issues that men really wouldn't know the answer, the first answer to as well. Um, It'd be in terms of how you can understand a woman and a girl from a different perspective than um, maybe their parents can as well. So it's just the fact that there's so many options and opportunities out there for women coaches to strive um, to be better, to develop themselves further and to keep going as well. Because I think Paula will know and probably I'll know as well in terms of the kind of, not abuse, but the kind of, consistent feedback you kind of get from parents like if you do get it negative or if you do do drills that aren't the best as well I think paula will kind of agree that when you're first kind of starting out and especially someone who isn't a um, it's not your first language as well paula is it so it's something that you have to learn on the job all the time you have to develop yourself further as well it's crazy how you kind of have to develop yourself in different ways mentally to actually prepare yourself for just that hour session or the hour and a half session that you're coaching as well let alone preparing and how you're gonna deliver in person as well. Because um, that's something that I'm still perplexed about. And me and I we've had guests from from foreign countries who speak really good English, but they always have to think in English when they're speaking to us as well. Is that the kind of the case with you as well, Paula?
2: So I would say now I do think in English already and I think it's kind of easy for me but you should have seen me on my first session I was like translating every single word from Spanish to English I was like "Okay, hey, this doesn't work oh. This is not it doesn't make sense it's not the same thing I, I even wrote it so many times like before it was kind of Not, I would not say a bad session but it was like a difficult session um, and yeah. after that I just like had to put more more work on like we at Bloomsbury do have a dictionary so so the kids kind of like no we all use the same words so as they learn the process and they have different coaches they all learn more or less the same words
0: trading so, cards uh, works as well if you have trading cards
2: <laughs> so that helped me out a lot um but I think it was just like with experience I would like going out there with the girls or with the boys because I also did school sessions I did bird sessions I did all the sessions possible and I've ended only with my girls but like I did everything so it was just a process of like going there learning trying my best always have a smile and if something went wrong well I would just apologize I'm sorry I'm Spanish that was my best phrase um but yeah it's it's difficult um to like um educate kids and like help them out in a different language but I'm, for, I think I'm okay now
0: for me I just so I'm sorry it's my first session then my kids are like no it's not you've been here for a year now and I'm like it's it's still my first session so they're like, no, it's fine. Like, because they're kids, they'll, they'll forgive you, which is perfectly fine as well. But no, no that's really what I'm fascinated about as well. And um, from our previous episodes, I'm really fascinated with how people can think in different languages, because that's ridiculous to me as well, because with my wife, she's Indian as well, but she can think in four different languages. She can speak five different languages. It's ridiculous how talented she is, but it's still one of those things that, from the other side, you always have to give yourself a bit of, patience so when someone else is learning as well because we've just recently had a uh, I don't know where it's from, Slovenia, Slovakia, um, an Eastern European coach we've had that started today um, was starting today and he came on Friday last week as well so he's just like with one of his kids that comes and plays he's becoming like a secondary coach which is great so it's learning about more it's more learning about him as a person as a coach than it is more about um, how he is as like a as a dad as well. And do you kind of get that from parents as well when they're trying to um, get themselves a lot more involved, they want to help out a lot more as well, not just in terms of coaching, but just in general, like um, volunteering and stuff like that as well.
2: Yeah. Like the good thing I I would say about my kids is that there's a mix of culture. Like I have Italians, I have Greek, I have Australian, I have American, I have English. I have a family from Portugal, I have a family from Congo, like absolutely everyone's from different places. So I think, that really helped uh, the team because they all really understand like they come from different places, they speak different languages. We have like, we have um, a Russian girl and she didn't speak a single word of English the first day she came um, and all the team kind of helped her out like, oh, this is called this, it's called that. Um, we had so many different um, cultures and parents are also really involved with it because they, if you help with their kid, they want to help you. So it all ended up with like, I have one of my parents that always comes and takes pictures with, like, a proper camera for all the kids so all parents can have it. So, yeah, it's, like, really cool that everyone helps each other.
0: Yeah, because for me, that's mind-blowing as well because, again, London's a very multicultural city as well and um, it's crazy when you get to learn from different cultures as well because what I've told our kids as well is the fact that even if there is someone from a different country or a different nationality or a different language as well, it's kind of on your ownership as well to learn more about their country to make them feel valued instead of them trying to fit into your culture and your, um, area as well. Because I've always done that whenever I've met someone from different parts of the world, I've always tried to go out of my way to learn more about them so they feel more comfortable, which is pretty good. Um, and that's just how I do it as a coach because I'm just there like trying to use, well, today, later today, I'll try and use, uh, the language that they use as well. Like if you want to pass the ball, I'll try and say that in, uh, Slovakian, I think it's Slovakian that is, but I'll try and say that in Slovakian later today as well. My Slovakian is non existent, but it will be better at the end of the week as well from all the training that will be given at the same time, which no, yeah. will be good fun. For... We
2: did, we did, we did at the beginning of the season, we always have like a class, okay, and we try and see what languages our t- players talk and our coaches like we as coaches we have to kind of like learn like hello on a few languages because we have a few Japanese kids so like learn at least a few basic words Brazilian and Brazilian kids so a few words to just like make them feel like it's home and like make them like make it easy for them
0: Mm -hmm. what Japanese phrases do you know
2: oh it wasn't my kid I have still tried to learn it but I know a few of my coaches had to learn Japanese to talk to him
0: Oh, okay. I was going to test you on the Japanese because um, I, I know yeah. Japanese um, phrases as well, which is good fun. Um, Arigato.
2: I... Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Arigato. Yeah.
0: Said it in that Northwestern accent as well, Millie.
2: Arigato.
0: <laughs> <is good>. Arigato. <laughs> nah, that's good. But no, I, honestly, I just wanted to learn more about that side of you because I always find it fascinating when especially loads of coaches from Europe come over to England to coach in England as well because of just their own self-development, their own mindset of wanting to be the best person they can be as well having the best of opportunities and I really appreciate you for going through that Paula so thank you very much um for talking to us about the mindset of, of a foreign coach which I really appreciated Millie we're coming up to that time of the episode when you have some quick fire questions for Paula Ooh, okay so this is where you know when Millie says oh that's a great question these are probably the best questions that you'll get in the whole episode so I'm looking forward to what Millie has in store for you Paula so Millie take it away
1: yeah, well, you know what? I've been dying to ask this question all the way through. Okay. So now's my time. I wanted to know a little bit about the futsal side because I love futsal. I love it. And I used to play a bit when I was in uni. And yeah, I mean, it's a great game. And I know that it's really popular in Spain, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to know, like, futsal, fiveside, is it important for kids to play futsal, to play fiveside? And how does it help them translate into eleven aside? Do they do they help each other? Do they I don't know Do they benefit each other? What's your thoughts I, on it?
0: I so, have loads of I, thoughts on this as well, so I'll, I'll answer. Secondary at
2: Loomsbury, we do so our girls have two sessions, and one of them is futsal. So we kind of not push them, but we let them know that it's really important. I would say it's really important because you're very aware. It helps a lot to be aware of this pace like they constantly have to be like checking their shoulders where they are because the pitch is so small has so many lines uh you have to communicate really fast cardio wise is really good um it also shows a way of like pressuring that i really enjoy and that i literally always tell my girls like pressuring is not always getting the ball it's like forcing the opponent to make a mistake so, with futsal, that really is a thing, and it helps them like translate it from futsal then to the um seven aside or 11 aside, wherever they're playing at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, at Bloomsbury, we think it's really important, um, for the kids from a young age to learn also a lot of like foot skills. It's incredible. I mean, I'm not great at that, but my kids are starting to be even better than me. Um, but I think it really helps them out, and um, that's why Bloomsbury think it's really important. And we give them like a futsal session, and like then, like a 3G pitch uh, session and then games. But yeah, I think it's really important for the kids to uh, play futsal. Would you agree with that, Hams?
0: Basically, with, with futsal and a side, it's the proof's in the pudding. So how I've explained it over the, over the course of the year, the couple of last years that we've had as well in English football, the reason why English football is at its all-time high is because the generation that we've seen, the likes of Harry Kane, Phil Foden, Raheem Sterling, uh, Jack Grealish, they grew up on 5 side They grew up on futsal. You've seen that. The, the generation before, the Steven Gerrards or Frank Lampard, the as Ashley Coles, didn't. But when you're seeing the generation play on 5 side pitches like they do with their friends when they're playing futsal, they're having more ownership on the ball. They have better ball control like Paula just said earlier as well. And it's the fact that they actually have a lot more confidence on the ball. So when you're seeing the likes of um, the players from like the years of 2006 around 2015 from England, you're seeing them not really comfortable playing long ball football like Paulo was um, alluding to earlier about British people playing long ball football not really being comfortable <laughs> with the ball but when you're seeing England uh, even last summer in the European Championships maybe not against Italy but in all the other games they were comfortable on the ball even the likes of Declan Rice is fantastic at it uh, maintaining possession which works really well the defenders are really good the likes of John Stones, Kyle Walker, Kieran Trippier as well it's because it's a it's a mentality of developing your own self a lot more you're developing yourself as a as a player, as a person individually. So you know how I mentioned earlier, Paula, about getting plays in different positions? Because when you're on an 11-a side pitch or when you're playing 8-a side, if you're at a centre-back and you're on a really good team, you barely get the ball. But if you're an attacker on a not-so-good team as well, you bet you don't really get the ball either. So when you're in different positions all the time or when you're on a 5-a side pitch playing futsal or 5-a side in a cage, you're learning a lot more in terms of developing your own skills. You're developing how to take on a player because it's rather you or them. And you don't want to get tackled or you don't want to get crunched in a in a interception or anything like that. So you need to find a way to develop yourself to be better than that. And I know people say, oh, yeah, you can play off the walls and this, stuff like that. But in futsal as well, indoors as well, it's a different speed, isn't it, Paula? So when you're playing yeah. indoors, and Millie will agree as well, it's a different ball, different speed, different awareness the that you weight. have as well.
2: The ball has a different weight.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just one of those things that I've always seen as, another way of developing because we always say on this podcast um that if it can if anything can improve you one percent then it's, it's best to improve yourself like that as well and for players nowadays with us we don't play futsal or, or five aside, side but we'll have little games when you have mini games to warm up the players as well whilst they're waiting for their friends to come we call them arrival games pooler. so when they're arriving uh waiting for the whole team to kind of play they'll play like four on four or three, three because if they're not confident on the ball in the in a normal game on the weekend how can they be comfortable without learning about themselves during the training sessions as well um but no those are my thoughts on it Millie. that's how i that's how comfortable i feel about five a side and i think it's here to say football because it's so it's, the potential is endless with there as well like with paula playing every saturday morning normally throughout the season I'll on, have BT to sport. Get, on bt sport i'll have to get the bt sport app so i can watch it um i can watch paula every other weekend which would be good fun as well but no, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really big advocate for um, five-a-side futsal football.
1: Definitely. No, I agree with you both. I think it's massive. And I think that, personally, like, from my experience, I think if you get into football, if you – football, sorry – if you get into futsal and you play it consistently for a year, the impact will be huge. Like, for example, with me, I picked it up um, – Maybe when I went to Dubai, it was only five aside then. We only played five aside football and seven aside. So for one year, I literally left 11 aside and played five aside, seven aside futsal. And honestly, my ball control, my speed, everything improved, and I wasn't young. I was old. I was quite old. I was getting on. I was 20, 21. So that's you know still what not I mean? old. So old. <laughs> that's not old at all. I was getting all. into those, those years where you should be playing 11, 11 a aside consistently, but I stopped for a whole year. But still, my performance like went up massively. Obviously, when I came back to eleven aside, I had a lot of work to do tactically. But I mean, I think that if you can find a way to play futsal as well, it will really benefit you, especially like making younger younger kids play it definitely from a young age. And I think it's something that every football club should consider or should have the facility of a futsal pitch, of a small five-a-side, seven-a-side pitch. Just have it there. And I think it's, it's really necessary.
0: It's like for us on Mondays, we train on a seven-a-side pitch as well. So it's one of those things that we can improvise it if the coach wants to do that. So for me, I tried to do that as like an arrival session as well, but it's just one of those things that we know that there's 11 aside games on the weekend. So it's, you can implement it, but it's not going to be the be all and end all um, in terms of game play. If you know what I mean?
1: Definitely. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. 100%.
0: By the way, for um, a million, I played futsal we played two on two uh, earlier this year as well. And we won, we were pretty good. Um, Millie carried the <laughs> team, obviously, but, um, but we'll get the GoPro footage out for that later this year as well, Paula. So you can actually see how good Millie is, and me in, it, way, me in a way, me in the way. We'll I'll see just...
1: the evidence. You did a lot of defensive work.
0: <laughs> I was carrying the defense. That's all I'm saying. It, it needed Definitely. to be done, which is good. Um, but no, Millie. Any quick fire buy- uh, questions uh, left for Paula today?
1: I have two more about. all right. first yeah, one is Paula. What are the three most important messages that you would tell a young kid? just starting out in your bloomsbury team
2: so i had this question not that long ago i had the same question yes someone made it to me um i would say keep what like what i said about working hard but like keep working hard because you'll get what you like trust the process so it may be some days maybe like too dark like you get um it's cold it's raining and things don't go up like you think but in the end if you work hard you're going to get there so i'd say one work hard second um i would say trust in your teammates because even though it's your you're working to be a non-individual player but like your way is going to be in, as an individual Um, trust the people around you because they're definitely going to help you in the pitch outside the pitch trust your parents when they tell you eat those vegetables you know like um trust the people that really want to help you if they really want to help you like honestly and genuinely um that would be one the second one and the third one would be um yeah just like if someone tells you not to do it don't listen to them if you really believe in it your heart says i want to do this just like keep doing it um
0: is that in terms of like play on the football field um, yeah because
2: yeah. so, i've had I, it hasn't happened to me but i've had a lot of teammates that their dad would have said, um, you're not good enough. Like, why would you do this? Or like, I have a kid that one of her her parents, like, because her brothers didn't make it professional, they're like, oh, you're not going to make it. And she's probably the best player I've ever had in my life. And she's under 10, so she has so much life to go up to. And Mm. it took me ages to convince her that, like, look, nowadays, a girl can have a, like, a future with it. And if the brothers didn't have a good experience, that doesn't mean she's not going to have a good experience so like it, it was hard work for her to understand i really want to do this even i'm 10 I'm, i love football i want to make for it so i would say yes yeah, don't listen to what if they're negative thoughts don't listen to them and try and concentrate on those positive thoughts
0: don't worry i get loads of negative comments about me playing <laughs> so i'm just like i'm still playing i play like four times a week normally um so i'm back from my injury which will be good fun and Uh, No, I can really relate to that as well. And those are really good questions, Millie. You had one more, didn't you, Millie?
1: Yeah, no, really good points, like brilliant points again. Um, My last question, I've been dying to ask it, even more than the futsal question. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) What are three foods, Spanish foods, that you miss the most from Spain that are not in London and you wish you could have them?
2: I say absolutely everything. yeah go for it make me <laughs> <Yeah>. more hungry <laughs> no I mean I've I'm really like attached to my family person so like I've always I was gonna I mean I haven't mentioned it but like I was gonna go to the States with a scholarship but it was too far away for me because mm-hmm. I'm like a really family person so I came to the UK because it was closer so I really like my grandma's food I love my grandma's food but What's I say. Yeah, I would say like the basic Spanish things that probably everyone knows, but like proper ones, not like restaurant places. Like,
0: what What are the basic Spanish ones for people who know? I would never say Spanish
2: pan con tomate, which is like bread with like tomato sauce kind of on top of it. And then maybe like jamon, like ham, like mm. Spanish ham. Um, then I so would like say like a sandwich. No, it's not only a sandwich, it's just bread with tomato, olive oil, garlic. So, like uh, a
0: ciabatta type thing, but like a yeah, Spanish bread. I would yeah. Think. yeah. I get you.
2: Like that. And then I would say tortilla de So like uh, omelette, like Spanish
1: omelette.
2: Mm. Yum, I've had that before, I think. I've had that once. It was Amazing. good. But I do it sometimes for myself and I'm like, oh, thank God I know how to cook. If not, I would just... Uh, Is it made with eggs? Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, Omelettes are, omelets are eggs, Millie. Omelettes are eggs.
2: Is this an omelette? Spanish yeah. omelette? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like potatoes, eggs and... Um, onions, if you like onions; if not, just don't. And then I would say anything that has prawns on it, but like Spanish prawns, because there's, there's there's like garlic prawns. Paella has prawns. Uh, there's thousands of like cold prawns, but yeah, anything that's related with prawns.
1: Yeah, and what, a lot
2: of olive oil.
1: <laughs> what's the best thing your grandma cooks?
2: It's like a similar thing to like paella, but it's like with like little, long, skinny things, like pasta things. Um, and it's just, just like fish, vegetables. Um, it's like a paella kind of thing, but it's mm-hmm. called oh, kind of thing.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I could eat yeah, all of go, that you
2: right now. To you're just gonna have to ask me for a list and I'll just send it to you.
0: I'll go oh, yeah. one better. I'll go to Barcelona and go to your grandma's house. and she.
2: Yeah, literally, guys, you're more than invited. My grandma will make the best food ever. That's
0: nah, crazy. It needs to be done. Um, but no, realistically speaking, the, the point of this podcast is I am actually a really good cook. So if you ever needed anything prawn linguini, I can do really good prawn linguini as well. I'm really good at cooking. So <laughs> I needed, I have needed everyone here out here to listen to how good I am as a chef. Not so much as a baker because I don't really like baking. My wife prefers baking, but I'm like to my wife, let me do the cooking. I'm perfectly fine. And she's like, yeah, it's fine, which is all good. But, no Paula just before we wrap up the podcast I did want to just say to you thank you very much for your time and your efforts today thank you for being so open and honest with your conversation and thank you for um, answering every question that we had at you in the best way possible and I think it exceeded our expectations didn't it really with the fact that we learned so much in an hour episode and the fact that Paula had the time to actually speak to us about everything she did with the futsal, with the um, coaching with the moving from Spain to England as well I thought that was fantastic wasn't it Millie?
1: definitely no I, yeah it's fascinating like you said and I think just just to be able to learn from you Paula as well has been great especially like with the moving from Spain to England and also for me to learn kind of like about the coaching process and what your thoughts are because obviously I'm not on that side you two are but I'm kind of not oblivious to it, but I'm but not she, on that But she side. speaks to
0: me every day, but she never asks me about it. Or she doesn't listen to Friday Night Counterattack, where I do talk about it every other week. But she's like, no, no, <laughs> I'll listen to what Paul has to say about it. So I'm like, okay, it is what it is.
1: Hams, of course I listen to you. <laughs> of course I
0: do. <laughs> that, that clearly didn't show. That, that clearly didn't show. But no, it's still absolutely fine. But Paula, I just wanted to ask you before um, we wrap up the podcast, was there anyone you could recommend to join us for another episode? for um the beautiful mind game later on in the year so we are looking at recording later on around september october and i know everyone's got a busy summer but if you knew anyone like another coach or... thousands
2: of people so in london we have a female network uh, group chat okay um, Where like female coaches or um female that in the women's football industry um mm. are in there so i can definitely give you many names people like working at the zone with all like the women's champions league but there are also coaches on the side people working at chelsea foundation that are women's coaches yeah. there's a bunch of coaches and people so i can definitely recommend you people they're probably wow. going to be more interesting than me but okay i'm 22 i still have a big, big bit of life
0: you know I, I I don't get why you're downplaying yourself over after we overhyped you this episode and you overhyped yourself on this episode so it's perfectly well, fine. there's
2: always something better to come you know i make this interview in like five more years and then I'll definitely be extremely more interesting. We'll do one, it. We'll one, do it. One,
0: one better, we'll do it in person and we can actually have a futsal game and you can teach us your futsal skills.
2: Yeah. Be careful with your legs. Yeah, close them because I'm quite good at not nice. <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs>
0: uh we'll, we'll have we'll have a game at that Paula because we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it is I'm a really good defender so we'll see how that goes um but no Paula thank you very much for your time today You're Millie fine. as always thank you very much for um an amazing podcast it's been fantastic to learn from both of you this this episode as well everyone thank you very much for listening please share this episode as well as we are looking at getting new people onto this podcast and like even with Paula today getting people from different backgrounds different um coaching backgrounds as well it's been fantastic to learn from everyone Thank you very much for your time. Take care and goodbye.